Morning, church. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Let me greet those worshiping with us online and wherever you may be. God's grace and peace be with you. We are actually in the season of Advent, and in the past few weeks, we have been preaching from the lectionary. The lectionary really is a listing of scripture texts according to the seasons of the church. And so, for the season of Advent, there are certain scripture texts that we can refer to and use them for sermon texts. And today, the text is taken from Second Peter. Chapter 3, verse 8 to 13. Allow me to read God's word for all of us. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise... We are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's go to God in prayer. Lord, protect the preaching of your word. And Lord, be glorified in the preaching of your word. It's your word. And so Lord, let your word minister to our hearts and transform us from the inside out. Holy Spirit, speak your living word to each one of us. And so give us grace not just to hear, but to do your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but if you have been around to the different malls, the Christmas trees are back. And each mall is competing with the other to see who has the tallest tree, right? Who has the best decorated. And the signs are very clear. Get ready for what's coming. Christmas is around the corner with gifts to be bought, to be given, Santa Claus is coming to town. Not really. This year, the Santa's reindeer are working from home. And Santa's coming on Zoom. Things have changed. But really for us Christians, I think our hearts cannot be centered on the festive season created by the commercialization of Christmas. Christmas is highly commercial today. But our hearts should be centered on the purpose and the meaning of Advent. In the season of Advent, we are interested in who's coming. Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, which means coming. And Advent is that period of spiritual preparation as we prepare ourselves for the coming of our Lord Jesus. And so in Advent, we always remember that God first came to us through the first coming of Jesus in His birth and incarnation. But more importantly, Advent is celebrated as we remember and prepare for the second coming of Christ. And Second Peter chapter 3 calls it the day of the Lord. How then should we prepare for this coming? What then should be our discipleship posture during Advent? This morning, allow me to share three sets of tensions. I call them tensions because they're kind of like opposites of one another, but they are important to understand our discipleship posture. First and foremost, we are to be patient and yet expectant. 
the false teachers during Peter's time, they were accusing God. They were saying, God, you didn't keep your promise. You said you would send your son back. Where is your son? They were laughing at God. They were laughing at the Christians in Peter's time and saying, where is this God that will show up and deliver you? In the same way, scoffers today laugh at us and say, where is the second coming of Christ? When is God going to come and save the world from his current sinful decay? Does God even keep his promise that Jesus should return? That's why 2 Peter chapter 3 reminds us that we have to be patient. Because the return of Christ is in accordance to God's kairos time, God's perfect time and not our expectation. Verse 8 tells us that a day is like a thousand years in God's eyes. And a thousand years are like a day to Him, which means we cannot grasp the way God looks at time. God is beyond and outside time. In some sense, we are invited to be patient because you know we are very impatient people. We go to God and say, God, are we there yet? God, have I arrived? God, when are you going to come? When are you going to save me? When is your salvation going to come for my family situation? We are generally highly impatient people. We want results like now or yesterday. But we need to accept that God has His kairos moment. In fact, my friends, what if God tells us that Christ's apparent delay in coming actually reflects God's patience with us. God's heart, as we read from verse 9, is for many more to come to repentance. And so God's patience is for more people to be saved. That's the very reason why we need to be patient as well. If God is patient, why can't we patiently wait upon the Lord for His return? But in our patience, we have to be expectant. Because 2 Peter 3 tells us that we are to look forward to that day. And there's this idea of keeping watch, being expectant. In fact, Jesus tells us in Matthew 25 verse 13, keep watch. That means be expectant of the return. And in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 10, it tells us that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. That means that you will not know exactly when. And any prophecies that you hear today that will predict exactly when Christ is returned, if I may submit, is wrong. Because that's how thieves work, right? They surprise you. They don't tell you exactly where they're going to come. The question is, are you ready? And the only way you can prepare and be ready is to be expectant. For example, if you're expecting that guests would come and stay at your place anytime, guess what? You set aside a room. You're ready to house the guests. You have a bed ready. It's like you're watching Korean drama, right? They set aside a beautiful room and any guests who come have a safe space. I wonder if there's room in our hearts for Jesus. Or I wonder if our rooms and our hearts are too cluttered, too overcrowded, that there is no space. I wonder if we are too caught up with the things of the world that we will be positively irritated if Christ comes tomorrow because you have not received your CPF, because you have not done your bucket list, because you have not done this, you have not accomplished the top position in your office. You see, my friends, I speak from a position of weakness. Our heart's expectant. Is there room ready for Christ to return? That's the first set of tension. We are to be, in that sense, expecting for the Lord. And the second set of tension is that we are called to be humble and yet confident. Humble and yet confident. 
And this is tied to the already and not yet understanding of the kingdom of God. And this is very important. Now, as Christians, you need to appreciate this tension of the already and the not yet. What is that tension? As John Stott rightly puts, already is present reality. Not yet is future destiny. It's between what has been done and what remains to be done. It's between the inauguration of the kingdom of God and its consummation. And we are right here in the centre. We are right in this already and not yet tension of the kingdom of God. And the already is understood in the first coming of Jesus. That's why Mark chapter 1, 14 declares that the kingdom of God is here. It's inaugurated with the first coming of Christ. That means that eternity has penetrated human history. That means the first coming of Christ has brought salvation for all of us as we put our faith in Him. It means that the power of sin has been vanquished. All of us who believe in Christ, we are set free from the power of sin. We are now the children of God, having access to the riches of God's kingdom and what He has done through Christ. But if the kingdom of God has come, why is there so much evil? Why do evildoers prevail? Why are faithful Christians persecuted for God's will? Why are the evil people enjoying the rewards of their sin? Haven't you asked those questions? Do you wrestle with those questions? I do. I wrestle with them every day. And the war in, you know, in Israel and Gaza is a stark reminder of the extent of suffering. I mean, they say it's a collapse of the humanitarian system. How horrible is that? It really breaks my heart to see what's happening in the world. And that's why there is a call to humility. Because until Christ comes again, we will have to wrestle with the presence and the prevalence of sin. And that's a reality that we have to reckon with. And my friends, we cannot go around proclaiming that victory that we have in God without recognizing the presence of sin so real in the midst of us. And that's why that presence and prevalence of sin forces us to go on our knees and say, God, we need you. We need you like never before. We need to humble ourselves and say, Lord, only you can save us. We need to humble ourselves and say, God, till you return, it ain't going to be easy. And we absolutely need you. And we need to stand firm to the end. That's the kind of humility we need to Christ's return. But yet in our humility, there is confidence. Because our confidence is in the not yet aspect of God's kingdom. God's kingdom may already be here, but it's not fully established. And one day when He returns, He will perfect what He started in His first coming. He will do that. And we can be confident that one day God's justice will prevail. All evildoers will face the wrath of God's judgment. And one day as Revelation 21 reviews, all pain and suffering will be removed. Tell that to someone in Gaza right now. Tell a family who has lost a child. Tell that to someone who's wrestling with uh, illness that cripples and is in pain. That is confident hope, my friends. Because nothing else in this world can offer this hope. This is the kind of hope that keeps us going day after day, living our lives for Him. This is the kind of hope that keeps us anchored on a new order that will happen one day where God's rule and reign will be complete and we can look forward to the new heaven and earth where it will be a home 
of righteousness. That's our confident hope. And so my friends today, would you be humble and yet confident? And that brings me to the last set of tension. And it's, I think it's the most important one. We're called to be steadfast and yet urgent. Steadfast and yet urgent. Hear this call every Advent. Second Peter chapter 3, 11-12 puts it very plainly. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Yes, that is steadfast discipleship where we are to lead holy and godly lives. Which means discipleship is not just an event, not a program. Discipleship is a steadfast daily walk with God and for God. It is the way we live our lives at home, the way we live our lives at the workplace, our leisure time in our private unseen moments. That is discipleship. It's the kind of steadfast, set apart for God and with God kind of discipleship. But my friends, there is also a clarion call to urgency. Can you see that from the passage from Second Peter 3? We need to be urgent because verse 12 says we are to speed the coming of Christ. How do we even do that? How do we speed the coming of Christ? That means how do we make the coming of Christ earlier? I know God is not bound by our time, but how then do we accelerate it? Make it earlier? Have you wondered? Peter doesn't give the details. But verse 9 tells us that God's desire is for everyone to repent. And Matthew 24, Jesus himself said that the gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as the testimony of the nations. And then the end will come. Put together, that means your evangelism matters. That means our outreach, the urgency by which you share the gospel as it goes out to the nations, as it goes out to the world, to your neighbourhoods. When the world hears of who Jesus is, He will return. Because God's heart is for many more to be saved. That's how you hasten the return of Christ. You do your little part to bring the gospel wherever He has placed you. Every effort to feed the hungry, to care for the poor and needy will cause their hearts to put their hope in Jesus and that will hasten the return of the Lord. And I think over the past 2,000 years, we have lost this sense of urgency. We are caught up about organizing church and programs, but sometimes we have failed to be the real church that God wants us to be. And by God's grace, may we come back to the mandate of urgent discipleship, intentional discipleship. Another reason why our discipleship is urgent is because of the new heaven and earth. Now, verse 10 and verse 12 tells us that the Lord will cause the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will be destroyed. So on plain reading, you would think that God will destroy everything and start all over again. But no, my friends, from the entirety of Scripture, that's not the design. God's central idea it's not destruction and recreation. God's idea is renewal and transformation. Now hear me, lend me your ears. This is really, really important. The idea is that God will purify and renew with the fire. The fire will burn away any elements that are not of God. He will renew the current earth and heaven. That idea of renewal is in Romans 8, where all creation will be liberated from bondage to decay. Jesus himself said this in Matthew 19, 28. He says, At the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne. And that is fulfilled in Revelation 21, verse 5, when Jesus says, I am making all things new. 
He didn't say, I'm making all new things. He's saying, I'm making all things new. You see, you and I can both chuck about the earth and can't just wait for Christ to return and do nothing. If this earth is going to be destroyed, heaven is going to be destroyed and, re- and, and start all over again. We don't have to bother with creation care. And the reason why this is part of our discipleship is because it's not going to be destruction and recreation. It's going to be renewal, which means that the earth that you see today, the sights and, and scenery in Korea and Japan, which all of you flock to every end of the year, all that will be renewed and purified. And so guess what? You can play your part now in creation to ensure that future quality is captured right now. And if our home in the future is going to be a home of righteousness, think with me, a place where there's no more sin and suffering and pain, you can bring some of that eternal quality right now to current reality. So every time you feed a poor and hungry, you are saying there is an eternity that waits for you, my brother and sister. I'm going to bring a bit of that eternal reality right now to you where you know you are loved and cared. It's not in full. One day you'll be in full, but right now you can have a foretaste of it. That's why you and I need to be urgent about it. That's why every time we reach out and care for someone, we are showing what that future state is going to look like. We are bringing that future reality into current reality. And that excites me because it's what we are called to be. Sons and daughters of God, helping others encounter God wherever we may be. And so my friends, would you do that? Would you bring the future into the present? You can. And if I say we must, we must start now. We must. It's almost three weeks ago when Joseph Chen passed on. Now I know there have been many tributes to him. Now he's the founder of Antioch 21. A missions mover, he's a maverick, he's a mobilizer. And you have read all the tributes and stories on salt and light and thirst. But Joseph Chen is my friend. He's a mentor friend. And I miss him terribly. And I found myself not being able to read all the tributes because I know him personally. And one question that many have not dared to ask is why Joe Chien had to die such a tragic and sudden death. He died when a taxi crashed into his. He was this close to the airport to fly back so that he can preach that weekend right here at Wesley. Why? That's not the way for Joe to go. No, not for a man of God of his stature. Not for a friend and mentor of mine. That's not the way for him to go. It's not fair. I couldn't take it and I still cannot take it now as I wrestled with it. But I attended the first wake service and Pastor Kaiming, who had a message that night, had the courage to address this issue of why. Why so tragic? And he offered a perspective. In his very own words, if I may quote Pastor Kaiming, must it be so tragic? Why? This death will not end Antioch 21. In fact, it will empower and accelerate it. Perhaps it has to be this way. Sudden, 
heart-rending and heart-wrenching. Perhaps this is the only way to awaken hearts that have gone cold. Perhaps this is how the Great Commission will be fulfilled sooner rather than later. Perhaps this has to be national news. In one unnatural, tragic death, one Singaporean, more than ever before, had been introduced as a missionary who died for the cause of Christ. And many are asking, what is Antioch 21? Who is Joseph Chen? And who is this God that he worships? We know the God that Joe worships. This God is one whose death was also tragic and untimely. His body was broken. His blood spilt, not by accident, but by atonement, for atonement, and the saving of sinners loved by God. Joe's death has jotted me into an urgency like never before. I will give my best for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I will live my life urgently. And his death, tragic, untimely and sudden as it may be, has propelled thousands into that urgency for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Can I hear amen to that? His death is not in vain. And so is our labour as well. Stand firm, my friends. Let nothing move you knowing that everything you do is not in vain. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. It is not in vain, my friends. Today, would you be urgent with the Lord? What does that mean? Number one, the posture is to say, God, make my life count for eternity. You can make a life count in many ways. Count for the organization you work in. Count for the family that you have. But will you make it count for eternity? And that means, my friends, number one, get right with God. Get right with God. If you need to repent and turn away from sin, don't wait anymore. Now is the time. If you need to break away from habits that draw you away from God, you do it now with the strength of God. Today, if you need to forgive someone, it's not easy. Ask for God's grace to let go. Today, if you need to be restored back to God, you can seek Him. You know why? Because God is seeking you. Remember 2 Peter 3, His heart is for you to come back to Him. Number two, my friends, would you walk faithfully with Him? That's faithful discipleship. And today, some of you say, how do I walk faithfully with Him? Let the church help you. You know, sometimes it feels as if we are trying to push programs to you. No, we are preparing you for the second coming of Christ. That's what the church does. That's what we are doing. And some of you say, I need to grow in God's Word. So join Disciple One. It's a fantastic course. I've been through it several times myself. Grow deep into the Word as you understand God's plan from Genesis to Revelation. Some of you say, I want to get into precepts, a Bible study method. Some of you say, I want to grow deeper in my spiritual formation through disciplines, join companions in Christ. Let these prepare you for the second coming of Christ. Because He's coming really soon. Today, God may be calling you to go for the strangely warm retreat. I know we are fully subscribed for this coming retreat, but there's one in October. Would you pray about going for that one? Even as you desire to be renewed in God's presence. Some of you are already in small groups and you say, can we grow deeper, form discipleship bands? Walk right with God. Walk faithfully with God. And finally, my friends, reach out with God. When I first typed this slide, I said, reach out for God. But I think Second Peter has reminded me that God's heart is actually 
for, the, for those who come back to Him. And guess what? God is already reaching out. God is constantly doing His work when you don't see it. And so God, why don't we join Him? Why don't we reach out with Him? Why don't we partner Him? And there's every opportunity now, this season, because God has placed burdens upon our hearts, burdens for a nation, then go for a mission trip to explore and go deeper in that burden. God may have given you a burden for a people group. God may have given you a burden for a friend. Would you pray, invite, and then surrender? Because it's the Holy Spirit that does the work of conversion, not you. You just have to pray. You just have to invite. You just have to love. You know, year-end Christmas, we have a services. Why do we do that? Our intention, our heart is for every opportunity to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'll tell you the gospel will be preached in these services. We will give invitations for people to come to know Jesus. Your role is simply to say, I want to invite you. Can I send you this link to my church service? Watch it and tell me what you think of what the preacher is saying. That's all it takes. Will you reach out with God? Go to this link. It's all there. Bring someone to our Celebrate Christmas in Singapore at Orchard. And from that, receive the hospitality and the community of like-minded friends. Is there a colleague you can invite for Alpha? Alpha is around the corner in the new year. Is there someone you can say, hey, I want to invite you to get to know. You can ask your questions in the safe space. That's what Alpha is. Finally, is there someone God is calling you to simply love? Offer your presence and your compassion. Bring that eternal destiny into current reality with the love that you offer, with the power of God for you. As we look forward to Christmas, and as I close, who's coming? Who's coming? Will you be patient and yet expectant? Will you be humble and yet confident of the eternal reality? Will you be steadfast and yet urgent? We're running out of time. We're running out of time. Georgian's story reminds me that I can be taken home to the Lord anytime, anywhere. Am I ready? I want to be. Would that be your posture this Advent as well? Come on, church. Let's... Let's respond to God's word. Let's pray, shall we? Father, I pray, Lord, that you will just come and touch every heart right now. For those of us who are wrestling with an issue in our lives, who are going through the valley, Lord, I pray for your comfort to come. Would you assure us that one day everything, everything will be all right? We just have to cling on and hang on to you. For those of us who are carrying burdens in our hearts for ministry, burdens for the nations, burdens for people group, Lord, I just pray you give us the courage to act on those burdens. Take away any indifference away any complacency. Father, give us that, that desire to take the next step for the burdens you place. Give us grace to reach out to love, just to pray, to invite, and then to surrender to the power of your Holy Spirit, working miracles in our lives. Father, I thank you for testimony upon testimony of how our Wesley members have responded to your word. 
how they have gone forward in, in faith and they have seen things happen before their eyes simply because they acted in faith. Someone prayed for the mother to come to know Jesus. She was belonging to a faith, a different faith for all her life. But when she was close to death, he took the courage and said, Mom, can I pray for you? And that opened the door for her to receive Jesus and to be baptized. Father, thank you for testimonies like that that show that you are real because you are reaching out. Even when we do not see it, you are working. So help us reach out with you. Help us live our lives for you. Let us catch the urgency of the times even as we steadfastly walk with you. Thank you, Jesus. Receive our prayers. Receive our desires.